With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back on another episode of the Anonymous Eagle podcast. My name is Patrick Leary. I am joined, as always, by the second most important Sam in the Marquette Basketball Universe, uh, Sam Newberry. Uh, Sam, um, are you? It, it was a good week for Sam's for people for, for Sam's with a market basketball podcast. It was a it was a, a positive week. Uh, Sam's around the market universe uh, had a very uh, had a very strong week, a uh, award winning week. Uh, so, um, what are what are your thoughts on your namesake uh, going to work and uh, and making making this week? Uh, the week he, the week we'll remember that Sam Hauser uh, dragged Marquette over the line twice. I mean, feels good. Um, always been a big Sam Hauser stan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's nice. A Sam stan. Shut up. Not a stan Sam. Shut up. Um, we're not. Pat's not allowed to make jokes on the podcast anymore. No, that's not true. Um. Anyway, um, I think the bigger takeaway I had from this week is that. I mean, obviously, Marcus played a whopping three minutes, missed two shots against Georgetown because of uh, back issues. We still won away without a first-team All-American or a, you know, a second-team All-American point guard, volume scorer type of player. Um, you know, most teams would crumble if that happens. Yeah, I mean, the Georgetown win is going to be one that ages insanely well. Um just from the standpoint of um, not only do they, um, to use the same phrase that I used before, get over the line in D.C. in a game that's kind of been tricky for them in the past and also um, a game that obviously is like sets up as the worst-case scenario where you obviously come in with a certain game plan and then three minutes in, you lose your best player and have to adjust on the fly. And... There's no easy way to do that. Um, and so for them to get over the line there was huge. And then I think what um, – that's the short-term gain is that their resume doesn't have to have that sort of like asterisk. Well, they lost this game at Georgetown, but they lost Marcus Howard. So they don't have to deal with any of that come tournament time. And the other, uh, you know, encouraging thing, and this is more, you know, long-term, is they – they learned a lot about the rest of their team. Um, there's not a lot of time uh, when they're playing that they're not, you know, running their everything, defense, offense, everything, through the prism of Marcus Howard as our best player. So there's not a lot of organic opportunities to see what Sam Hauser can do as a point forward um, to see how Sakar runs the point, to see... Brendan uh, Bailey play 27 minutes. Yeah, to see Brendan Bailey guard a point guard. Like, there's not a lot of... That doesn't, like, sort of organically um, happen um, when Marcus Howard is in there. So um, it was a win-win in that they came out of it victorious, but they know so much more now about um, their versatility and depth. Um that I just think that that's going to be super valuable going forward. And I think you saw, um, I don't know if Sam Hauser flips the switch like he did against Providence um, late in the second half um, to sort of take over that game and and grab that game for Marquette without sort of the confidence of the Georgetown game where he essentially had to take over and had to be the guy. Um, So, I mean... In if the two games this week were not the most um, beautiful or um, you know convincing victories for Marquette by any stretch, but I think it, it was a really productive week in terms of uh, learning about the team, learning about itself, and us sort of learning about the team as fans. And it's one of those weeks where you come out the other side feeling a lot better about Marquette 
regardless of how sloppy the victories were at times. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Sam flipping the switch and having the confidence now to flip the switch when we need him to is huge. But, um, you know, shout out today... The Hauser brothers made history. Yes, not big the, time. the plural Hauser brothers yes. made history in being the first brother duo to share Player of the Week, Rookie of the Week honors. Yeah, incredible. in the Big East. So, I mean, I have no, I have no precedent for like how that would have even been achievable in years past. Yeah, but, but still, but but yeah, you I might mean, as well like, set hey, if, if you can, <laughs> hey, if Wally Ellenson had been Big East Player of the Week, that might have worked. But, yeah, um, probably but, not. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, that's like kind of the, the the next furthest back or the next closest back. Yeah. You have. It, anyway. Yeah. Joey going for yeah ten points on you know only four of ten from the floor and uh, you know one free throw in the Georgetown game, but having eight rebounds and six assists. Yeah. Um, the versatility of Sam, Joey, a little bit of Brendan and Sakar to take over the point guard duties when Chartuni struggled um, against Georgetown. I mean, you can't talk enough about yesterday, so we're recording on Monday the 21st. Can't talk enough about yesterday where, you know, not only did Sam drop 25, 4 of 6 from 2, 4 of 7 from 3, perfect from the line, 4 rebounds, Mon- 3 assists. This is just a monster of an offensive game. There's 7 rebounds, 4 assists for Sam, 4 rebounds, 3 assists for Joey on Joey going 2 of 3 from 2, 2 of 2 from 3. I can distinctly remember a series of plays in the second half where Marquette really put it away. There was a Sam Hauser three, another Sam Hauser three, yeah, a Sam Hauser and one, I'll pull that a up. Joey Hauser and one, and then a Joey Hauser three. Just yeah. five straight possessions of pure, unadulterated Moore Hauser. Yes. And <laughs> it was a beautiful the, thing. Yeah. The uh, the fact that we could have somebody like Marcus Howard go. You know, he was 4 of 15 from the floor. Four, 14 of 16 from the line, He didn't look good. right, though. Yeah. He really He did. actually had nine rebounds, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, he was but, doing a lot of weak side stuff. Yeah, um, but Marcus just definitely wasn't clicking on all cylinders from the field. And, yeah. who, you know... Well, he just looked hurt. Yeah. Still. He looked like... A little rattled. He had, he had sort of hands on his hips a lot, and he kind of looked like he was still struggling with the back bit. Yeah. He wasn't really going full speed all the time, no. and, you know, he was trying to uh, make adjustments on the fly. Um, but, yeah, so the sequence for Marquette there that you were referring to uh, is a Sam Hauser jumper, uh, two free throws for Sam Hauser, a Sam Hauser three. That was the one where he sort of, like, paused in front of the guy he for a pulled, second. Pulled up in his and the face. guy, he was like, are you, all right, you're going to stay there? And then he just pulled it. Um, Marcus made a shot, and then Sam sort of peeled off of the uh, – Sam peeled off of uh, the back cut and got fouled. Joey had that great pass into yeah. him. Um, and then uh, Joey made the and one uh, leaning into Ashton Lankford on the next possession. Um, and jo- a and Joey then, three from the corner, right? Uh, I think Sam made a three first oh, and then Joey three from good. the corner. Like it An, was, an yeah. absurd run of yeah. pure, unadulterated Morehouse. Yeah, but like, it was just like the way that they just went and got that game was just unreal. It was like that... That game was the first half. I don't even know what I was watching. It was the worst was, half since the Presbyterian game. Yeah, it was. It. it uh, I mean, I mean, that's maybe the second half of the St. John's game. Well, but, at that point, I think you, they were already beaten down. Versus, yeah, this, this is one where they came in, had it, a full complement of players, and were just completely out of it. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really know what I was watching. It was like. They were sleepwalking, essentially, and the the scary part is Marquette does a lot of things well as a team, but one of the things they've done really well this year is limiting offensive rebounds. Um, they're 21st and in the they country in doing that. And that was, first half. it was terrible. It was, it was, it was really, I, I didn't even, I, like, I couldn't explain it. It was like, um, they were missing blockouts, they were getting out physical to the ball. Yeah. Um, when they would get the ball, they wouldn't be able to hold on to it. It would Nate like squirt out. Was a monster. Yeah. Leif Young was somehow out rebounding people in the post. I mean, no. Nate Nate Watson was a big. Yeah. Nate Watson, like all credit to Nate game. Watson. Yeah, he was really tough. Um, he gave both Theo and Ed a lot of trouble, and that's not usually something you'll see from you know your average big east big guys no. giving our centers trouble because our centers are tough 
They're tough if, yeah, I mean, they're physically very strong, if not, if anything else. Yeah. And, you know, Theo's an elite shot blocker, and Ed Morrow is a, is like a elite sort of athlete, rebound, um, strength kind of guy, so. Which is funny, because he only had one rebound, but. Yes. That notwithstanding, he's, he, he's a, he's a great low block. Yeah. Great is maybe pushing, but he's a good physical low block defender and a good rebounder. Yeah. He had an interesting game. Yeah. Um, anyway. Let's um, go deep into that. I mean. But. I think the Providence game just proved, or the Georgetown game just proved to me that we can go beat an opponent, an opponent we're supposed to beat if we don't have Marcus Howard. We yeah. can. We, we we have the ability to do it. There was that obviously. Like, well, I was gonna say you don't want to have to do it, but <laughs> there was a run in the middle of that game that was the most encouraging thing. I think I I hadn't felt so like light about Marquette. Um, there was like a I think it was a 14-0 run or something right in the middle yeah. of that Georgetown game. Where um, it was like you were watching the game unfold, and it was just so frustrating because obviously they were having to adjust on the fly to not having Marcus. But but there was like you could tell watching it that they can do this. Like there were there the glimpses of like okay they can manage this. Like after they decided that they didn't need Chartuni to play every point guard minute, which. Santa Maria on that um, we'll get to on that, that adjustment yeah. um, freaking great decision um, you could tell like okay it just was like going to be a matter of time until like the five guys that played most of that game sort of figured it out and when it clicked and they had that run it was just like holy crap we're like, still we're still a decent college basketball team without a first team all American yeah like like we we can win on the road in the Big East in a game where. Um, what was my my I forgot what nickname I made up for Mac McClung. Um, uh, it was something. Oh, uh, a ball hog McHaircut. Uh, uh, oh Lord, you're ball hog McHaircut. You are way too proud of that. <laughs> I was ball hog McHaircut was going off though, and like he he has not had a good shooting season at all, and he was just throwing it in the ocean like it was it was incredible he was just like he was hitting dumb shots yeah and so it was like okay we're we're in this game and they're doing that but we're like limiting govan and we're on the road in a it's not really a hostile environment because nobody goes to georgetown games right now um but uh well i had to slide that one in there uh but it it uh it was like okay this is a road environment but we're hanging with them and then that the switch flipped and it was just like oh my goodness like this team is this team is capable of so much well and and you look at it too i think a big stat that stands out for me in that game i mean so there are three big ones one's a personal stat line two are a team stat line for that okay first off georgetown shot 12 of 34 from inside the arc yeah that's really freaking good miserable part second one was they shot 10 of 18 uh, from three. From three. Like, Georgetown was some dumb Mac McClung threes going in away from not being in that yeah, game. Yeah, that's a good point. Like they Granted, they were tracking it was poorly. helped out by the personal stat line, which was James Akinjo yeah. being guarded by Brendan Bailey going yeah. one of ten from the field. And that was a revelation. Yeah. I mean, Brendan Bailey, um, Brendan Bailey, to this point this season had not been anything more than okay let's get the long guy in there man he might be good in a couple of years you know like there really hadn't been any substantial contribution that brendan bailey had made yet and then that game happens he plays a career high 27 minutes he has an offensive rating of 177 he guards james akinjo who goes one for ten um he like and like for him to just pull out of his bag of tricks, being able to guard a ridiculously athletic point guard is yeah. like wow! Like what? Like that just doesn't. You just don't have dudes on your bench usually that discovered that they can guard a ridiculously athletic point guard yeah. on the fly like that, and that was incredible because they don't win that game because what they were what they were struggling with for most of the game was staying with Georgetown's speed. Because once they lost Marcus, they were playing, you know, the Housers. Um, and noted not quick. Yeah, <laughs> noted like good at everything, but not particularly quick Housers. 
And so they were getting run. They were like Georgetown. It was incredible. I, it was frustrating to watch, but it was, I'm sure it was a game plan by Ewing. Every time Marquette missed, Georgetown would be at the rim in five seconds. And it was, it was just like they were blitzing down the court and Marquette couldn't get set. And that and that's how they were creating points. And you know Georgetown, I believe they play the fastest in the Big East. They I play twenty first right, yeah. in the country. Yeah, they play the fastest in the Big East. Um, they play. Uh, isn't that in possessions per game? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So they play seventy three point four possessions per game, just twenty first in the country. The next fastest team is St. John's, who plays seventy one point nine. Yeah. So it's it's a pretty. Uh, wide margin, and it's three more possessions per game than Marquette is used to playing on their own pace. So, the way that they were speeding them up was incredible, and was the reason that they were winning that game for so long, because Marquette couldn't keep up with them, and they were having to run sort of the slow-it-down offense, um, and they ran a lot of that horn set um, that they've been running a lot of um and that excites me as a basketball nerd um but anyhow um yeah for brendan bailey to just sort of be like yeah by the way i can i can lock that guy up it was like oh okay and a lot of you know georgetown fans and i was um, exciting in this on social media after the game um a lot of georgetown fans were saying um like, we're really frustrated with the way Akinjo was playing and not, like, looking... Not really looking to pass as much as he should have. Which um, is nuts, because he had eight assists. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that too. But, um, you know, another element of that was um, he... Uh, like, on the last play, he had potentially two guys open to pass to. Yeah, that the last play in the Georgetown game really confused me. I mean... Yeah. You have well, it confused Patrick Ewing too. Yeah. So <laughs> Patrick just, Ewing I, did not just, want that to happen. I just imagine the Patrick Ewing meme of, "Do you shoot that shot in, in yeah. practice? Do you shoot that shot in a game?" Like, it was a shoot that yeah. shot kind of. Um, yeah, it was. It was not a great possession overall by Akinjo. I mean, that kid's gonna scare the living bejesus out of me for the next two years. Oh and, sure, and uh, or three, three years. years. He's only a freshman. Yeah. He and Mac. He and Mac are both. Freshman. Yeah, like those those guys are going to be a very good backcourt for the next couple years in the Big East. So I'm glad that we have the chance to beat them now. Um, you know when we're on the upswing, but um, he'll learn that in time. I, he must have seen something, and I mean those two, him and Mac McClone are just two of the most confident freshmen in the Big East. Yeah. And they well, do have a green light, basically. That's that's yeah. what I was going to say. To Ewing's credit, they've done a really nice job of um, uh, being like, okay, these are our players. Like, we are a rebuilding uh, program. We're giving these two guys the keys. Um, now, there again, I think we've talked, we talked about this on the preview pod. Kinjo's offensive rating is 98. Mac McClung's is 100. And Jesse Govans is 122. So yeah. you would think <laughs> like, you'd feed you, the wide open Jesse. Govan, Jesse Govans should get the ball a lot more in that offense now. That's easier said than done because he's like a stretch five. He's I a guess. weird player in that he's he's just physical enough to play the five, but he's definitely not like yeah Nate Watson. Joey Hauser was guarding him. Yeah, that was really interesting, which opened up Theo to be a shot changer in the lane. It was Which one was of awesome. it was one of Steve Wojciechowski's best games, I would say. Yeah, I agree just with because that. it was chock full of adjustments. Now I'm sure that there have been games where the adjustments have been less no, immediately noticeable. Yeah, um, because it's like very, um, you know, that there was a very obvious conceit of his adjustments. Marcus is out, therefore he has to come up with something. Like, I'm sure he's made in-game adjustments that are a lot less subtle, or a lot more subtle than that, um, that have won them games in the past. But it was just very um, apparent that he tried Chartuni, which is what it would dictate uh, uh, what they've done so far this season when Marcus has been out. They've traditionally put Chartuni in to handle the ball, and they tried that. Chartuni was playing like crap, Um and uh, they decided to switch it out. Um, and it's 
was a tactical masterstroke because if they had just been like, okay, nobody else can dribble, we need Chartuni the whole game, there's no way they win that game. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And so I guess credit where credit's due there, Wojo deserves some credit there. Um, do you want to talk about Chartuni briefly? Um, yeah, I noticed, before we go into this week's Yeah, um, so I noticed um, uh, there was a particularly visceral Chartuni moment against uh, Providence. Amongst um, others, yeah. Yeah, uh, he, uh, he, for lack of a better description, threw the ball over the rim um, on a uh, corner three. He, he's, he missed two air ball threes. Yeah, he did. And the second one was the widest open. It was egregiously bad. It was a great look, and you could tell, like, he wanted it for his confidence, and when yeah. he just absolutely bombed it long, he, like, the, he was very angry with himself on the bench, like, 30 seconds later. And so, clearly, I think, at least, and it's been, like, everyone I watch games with, it, it gets beat to death, like... Yeah everyone's frustrated with him so i'm i can't imagine sort of what that is like um to come from a place where you've succeeded um to the point where he was one of the most sought after graduate transfers on the entire uh, market last year to um being pretty miserable um on all facets i mean that turnover rate is still at 33 percent too high um which is awful um, he, the problem is, um, his confidence is so sapped that even when he's on the court, his upside is average-ish defender. Maybe he can use his instincts to get a steal, um, which we, honestly, if I want, if I were to say, okay, here's what I want out of Joseph Charchuni, I want that. Yeah. I want, like... Every, I want you to sell out, and I want that to be your thing. Because that's what you came in as good at. Um, that's what we were all saying was like, oh, steals rate. He's going to help the defense. Now, we didn't really know what it looked like at the time. That was all speculation. But we've seen it and seen glimpses of it that he can he can steal the ball. Um, he has sort of a preternatural uh, talent for stealing the ball. He's charting in the top 500 he's the only player on marquette's team that's charting in the top 500 steals rate marquette is a team is that is miserably bad at yeah the ball. terrible at stealing the ball uh they're in the bottom bottom 50 in the nation at stealing the ball um and you know their defense succeeds because they play 35 seconds of defense um and yeah. or 30 now wow yeah Oof. 30 wow good dated, lord Patton. dated myself there that's that's like four years old um uh yeah they play 30 seconds of defense though they're not a steals team if they could have an element of that which is in theory what chartuni could bring that's where i think he could be valuable because right now what he is is he guards like the maybe the second best perimeter player on the other team especially once the car's in um, he is very susceptible to fakes, to feints and fakes. It anecdotally just seems like he bites on a lot. And he, on offense, is dribbling around, um, sort of catching and playing hot potato. His pass selection to me is miserable. It's horrendous. The only thing you, you see, though, is every once in a while he'll make sort of a pass where he's, like, clearly trying to be like, alright, I'm a good passer. Yeah. And then he'll make one, and it'll be like, oh, okay, that was actually very uh, incisive. Um, and then the next time he throws it to yeah, nobody 10 but feet. Two, him, and yeah. some of the passes, some of them are just very easy passes that he just either, like, short arms or what. And I don't know if he's just got the yips, because I think, I've got to imagine he hears it and he knows how um, frustrated I would say that the the vast majority of the fan base is with his play. Um, yeah, I mean, I can tell you right now, people are adding him on Twitter and stuff. Don't hey, don't do that. Don't no. be that guy or human being. But whatever. What? Sorry, that's my sink being weird. Hold on. <laughs> I can carry a conversation. Yeah, hold on, yeah. yeah. Let me just make sure my sink's okay. I don't know what exactly that was. 
All right, well, real life just intervened and my sink decided to growl at us. Okay. <laughs> All uh, right, well, uh, yeah, so okay. we were recording in Pat's apartment. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to come stalk us for Be- a podcast Behind sometime. the scenes. But. Don't release uh, my address. Um, I just got completely derailed by that. Yeah, uh, um, Chartoonie. Yeah, so every once it's the same thing as the steals where every once in a while you see sort of that high level instinct of like wow holy crap and then at the same time that's one in ten times and the other nine times you're like oh jesus christ i could steal that or yeah. his shot selection it hasn't the thing is like his shot selection hasn't been bad either on offense he just hasn't made anything is the yeah. real problem he's um, shooting Granted, he, he's shooting 34% from three, which is shocking to me. He's shooting 56%, almost 57% from two, which blows my mind because it doesn't feel like it. But I don't think he shoots much, right? I mean, well, he's the, also he also made a combined 28 shots. Yeah, he's only he's only taken 30 shots and something. Like, he doesn't shoot. No, but... That's, that's the real problem is what is, his, what is his shot percentage? Yeah, his shot percentage is... Um, surprisingly it's, deep because it's so low. It's yeah, his shot percentage is the lowest on the team of people that are not Matt Hill. And yeah. Matt Hill hasn't really played enough for that to be statistically significant. Um, That's true. Like his shot percentage is below Jamal Kane's shot percentage, yeah. which is kind of nuts. Yeah, because if anyone's been tentative, it's been Jamal Kane. Yeah. Um anyhow, um Jamal Kane briefly didn't play again. Well, um, I, not really I'd say really really quick one last thought on Chartuni. Okay. Um, is that uh, I was walking out of Providence with my roommate, um, who's also Marquette grad. Uh, we have season tickets right by each other. And I said to him, like, we still need Chartuni to get his head on straight if we want to be successful in March. I think that the, the Georgetown game was a weird outlier, but you can see that if teams start pressing us, like, we, I kept questioning why teams weren't pressing us more when Marcus isn't in the game or even if he's in the game but we don't seem to handle the press the best there are times where it, the, the press break flows really well but that's usually in desperation times for opposing teams if they're pressing us early especially you know without Marcus I could see that being a big problem if Chartuni keeps having the yips and keeps making dumb passes but we're because at some point there's going to be better athletes against us there's going to be better defenders against us, and they're going to eat up the fact that Sakar and Sam and Joey are running the press break and being primary ball handlers. Like, at some point, that's going to get absolutely mauled by somebody's defense. Sure. I guess here's my concern, though, is if a team is good enough to take all of our successful elements away, I don't know if Chartuni has enough to... I think he has the potential to have it it's more. Just, so. I guess from a ball yeah. handling standpoint, he could yes. be a, he could be an asset. Exactly. Um, but he obviously hasn't shown that yet. So that's why I, I sort of made yeah. that mention is that like I think we need him to figure his stuff out to be a secondary ball handler come mm-hmm. postseason time. Um, um, but transitioning to Jamal Cain real quick. I mean, I don't think there's much to say about Jamal Cain. Yeah. If, if this happens, um, this is happening. Uh, Brendan Bailey is clearly above him on the depth chart. Yeah. Especially after Georgetown, um, my guess is that there's more going on with Jamal um, because you would have thought that he could have gotten in that game at some point. Yeah. Um, so there's got to be something going on uh, that we don't know about. Um, yeah. I doubt it's injury related. Um, I think we may have probably we probably would have heard about it if it was injury related. So I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's discouraging at times because he he has all that talent. It just doesn't make sense that yeah. he's not playing a but, game like that, especially if, when they were so bad in the first half. Yeah, and he just doesn't get off the bench. I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah, but I mean, again, like you said, if Brendan Bailey's playing better and always, I mean, obviously Sakar is going to be above the two of them anyway, and the two Housers are going to be above the two of them anyway. That was really the the point of concern. Where the logjam was this year. There's going mm-hmm. to be at the three and the four. And, um, you know, I guess it's not really much at the two anymore. But he's obviously just not playing as well as either of the Housers or uh, Brendan Bailey or Sakar. And, I mean, you know, it's just it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, I just want to see him succeed. Um, yeah. So it'd be nice if he he was playing again soon, but I I'm just not. Who who knows if if and when? 
Yeah. Um, one other thing I just noticed as I was scrolling through Marquette's Ken Palm page is um, Ken Palm uh, charted Joey Hauser as Marquette's point guard for the the span of time uh, yes. that uh, they yep. played uh, without Chartunia or Howard in the Georgetown game. That's Which is fine. awesome. That's fine Joey Joey Hauser has played point more jo- point Joey dude. Joey Hauser has played more point than Joseph Chartuni in the last five games, according to Ken Palm, which is hilarious. Um, anyway, it's a bit that, nuts to think. That's about. like statistical minutia that no one actually cares about. Um, on to the week. Um, DePaul. It's, it's the don't lose to DePaul week. It is. Except it's, this DePaul team might be good. Uh, ish. ish. Ken Palm still says they're the worst team in the Big East. Hard for me to say that that's the case. They're 3-3. Three and three. They just swept Seton Hall. I don't think they're the worst team in the Big East. I think no. that's Georgetown. Um, Georgetown or Xavier, one of the two. Yeah. I know Xavier we'll has... See. I don't... I know Xavier has wins, but I don't think Xavier's Xavier is who we're playing on Saturday. I think that's going to be a tough game. Ken Palm has it at two. Obviously, that's because it's heavily baked for home and road. Um, but... Um, Xavier uh, looked okay against Villanova at Villanova. So yeah. I'm not convinced that they suck, and they beat Butler. Um, so I don't know. Not convinced that Xavier sucks. Um, they sucked when they came to Milwaukee. Yeah, undoubtedly. Fair. But I'm not convinced that they suck. But on paper, again, it's another... Um, there are challenges posed by this week, but it's another week where you look at it and you say Marquette, now number 12 in the country, um, you know, all curse of 12 uh, jokes, uh, aside. jokes aside, exactly. Um, this is a 2-0 and week on paper and in execution. Um, it It's a matter of um, not... Uh, letting some of the struggles at home lately um, crop up because I think DePaul is probably more equipped to pounce on that. Um, although Seton Hall was fairly, Miles Powell is a great player to sort of pounce on that. Um, but it, like if they, I'm I'm not going to be as confident if they sleepwalk through a first half against against DePaul just because I know DePaul has DePaul's won three of four. Um, now it's Seton Hall twice and St. John's without Shamori Ponds, but DePaul, you know they're they're playing with more confidence than I think you could say they've played with in any time in recent memory. I don't, yeah, I, don't I mean, how you can argue that this DePaul team is also kind of built to beat Marquette, in my opinion, because they're I know it's big-ish. it's a bold it's well it's, it's a bold statement, but follow me on this, right? They have two big guys, and Femi uh, Olajovi and then Paul Reed, who aren't traditional, traditional big guys. Yeah, Paul Reed's more traditional than uh, Olajovi is. Olajovi's a bit more of a stretch player, but still, I mean, he's only attempted 13 threes on the season. But he's very large. He yeah, six nine, two fifty eight. Yeah, they're they're big dudes, but they're not necessarily traditional like like what Nate Watson did to us. Yeah, last weekend. Shout out Nate Watson. That was really impressive. Yeah. Um, but then you also have two six six players in Eli Kane and Max Strews. Mark Sarkar can only guard one of them. That means yeah, yeah. and Marcus That's is going to be point. on Devin Gage. Yeah, so that means one of the Housers is going to have to guard yeah. probably Max Strews. Yeah, which yep. is intimidating because as much as I don't stand for Max Strews as a Big East fan, yeah, he's still a heck of a player because if he goes off, he's scary. Um, he's just known to be really, really, really bad if he's not going off. My guess is Sam Hauser. Yeah, I think um, you're right. Joey's better on a, a big uh, guy. A like big that. guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're give right. Joey, a big defensive assignment. It's not going to be a guy that's super mobile. Yeah. But I mean, um, this is going to be a lot like St. John's. I mean, minus the fact that um, they're not as deep and just not as talented. Which no, they're they're as deep as St. John's. They're just now, not as talented. They grayed out horribly on Ken Palm. Yeah, I like. They really have their their best skill is offensive rebound defense, which they do even better than Marquette does, um, which is interesting. But they they really they didn't do anything in the non conference that was impressive. They beat Penn State. 
you know, over time and, oh, at home. Uh, yeah. That's not... No, that's fair. Penn State's like they, one of the they worst really teams blew up. They really blew the Northwestern game away. Because yeah. that, that, they were up double digits at one point in that one in the second half. Yeah. Go look at that win chart. That's interesting. They and then lost they, at home to Boston College. Yeah. And Boston College is the DePaul of the ACC. Yeah, because Pitt is somehow almost decent Pitt, again. Pitt has life. Jeff Capel, shout yeah. out, dropping the bag. The bag man, the bag man extraordinaire, Jeff Capel. But, I mean, getting it done. DePaul played Villanova close in Philly. They beat Seton Hall at home. They beat St. John's they've Way. Been, yes. they've, yeah. They played Villanova well at Villanova. They've been really tough in the Big yeah. East. I don't get why. Like I don't. I the only game that they didn't play well is Butler absolutely eviscerated them in Chicago, which is a weird outlier. Like because Butler is not a road team and Butler yeah. was struggling when they did that. Yeah. But it's 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 a it's a really like if you look at their six Big East games, they're all fairly competitive and. They have three wins, which is a lot more than they normally do through six Big East games. Um, so it's one of those games where um, analytics be damned. Like, they have, yeah. you know, a decent shot at um, at least giving Marquette trouble just with how everything has lined up lately. Um, now, I'm going to look at this. I believe I'm right. Um, they are essentially playing six deep. For, yeah. For the most part. For which the most is, part, yeah. Which is... Um, now, a lot of teams are sort of starting to shorten their bench as this season is going on. But, like, against... I mean, sheesh. Against... Uh, um, they didn't even have Jalen Butts play against uh, against Butler. So they went with Struce Kane, Gage, Olajobi, and Reed 34 to 39 minutes each. Like yeah. they they're not They deep. are they're a one-line team. They're yeah. not deep. Yeah. So it's if you can if you can take maybe one or two guys away, you're in great shape. I mean, I think the the biggest key is not letting and I mean, yeah, sure, you it, it's kind of an obvious one, but it kind of has to be stated is like you don't need to stop both Eli Kane and Max Struess. Stop one of them. You need to stop one, and they don't have scoring around them. Yeah. Besides maybe Ola Joby. Now, none of those, none of these guys are very good shooters. Um, that's something that kind of stands out to you. Which, well, which there. is kind of funny because, I mean, kind of funny because Max Struess came in as like he can hit it from literally anywhere. He was Andrew Rousey, but 6'6", yeah. six, six and I mean, athletic. Uh, allegedly when he came in. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that Max Struess is like very similar to Sam Hauser. I mean, I think no, that, that he's a lot more athletic than Sam Hauser. Is. Yeah, uh, but Sam Hauser is way freaking better. Well, he's a way more consistent player. Yeah, and he's a much better shooter. Yes, um, I agree. And uh, so I don't know. Uh, Struess and Kane will ne- would need to have very big games uh, for Marquette to lose. Um, Marquette is again. This is the the mantra. It's gonna be repeated over and over again. Marquette is not gonna lose at home unless a team gives them a Herculean challenge, or they completely show up and tank. Yeah. Um. Now, what what has DePaul done right in their wins? Um. They kind of get it from a number of different places. Um. In the Seton Hall win, they had uh, they got it from Struess, and then it was very balanced. In the St. John's win, uh. Ola Joby had 27 points, and a lot of it... Um, that To be fair, that's also because St. John really doesn't have a big guy to contend with them. I think I think the, that's the, the, the stable of big guys that Marquette has to throw at him and Paul Reed yeah. are, are way more adequate at big guy defending, or you know, post-defense, than they had in Figueroa. The, in the second... Yeah, yeah, that's true, Figueroa. Uh, that's, it just seemed like a very like comical name of like... That's your guy, Figueroa. Um, anyway, uh, they had 20 each, um, at least 20 each from Reed, Struess, and Olajobi in the Seton Hall win. I so, didn't know Paul Reed was scoring that much. That's interesting. Yeah. So I guess they've got their five dudes, and they roll it out with them. So get at least one of them in foul trouble and then isolate one defensively with Sakar. Yeah. I guess that's really the... Yeah, I mean, you're going to... Basically, I think the game plan for this game is going to be just absolutely drape Sakar 
over Eli Kane. Eli Kane. Let Brendan Bailey guard Eli Kane. Yeah. Um, I be, yeah. well and follow me on this because I think Eli Kane is way better than Max Struess is. But Max Struess is like he he's streaky. He's either like I said, stupid on his game and is really 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 hard to stop because he'll score from anywhere and dunk on you and hit stupid turnaround jump shots and then hit deep threes or he's way off you know what i mean i'd rather take the consistent scorer the consistent floor leader well and he's more athletic so it's uh or he's a versatile uh yeah anyway um that's probably enough talk about DePaul. Yeah, just don't lose to DePaul for God's That's the sake. big thing. Just don't God's lose to DePaul. Sake, don't lose to DePaul. That's, that's the number one rule. We say it every year. Three teams, or two teams, because Seton Hall did it twice. God, Seton Hall did it twice. Um, have already broken the rule. Yeah. Marquette, Marquette has, in four years under Steve Wojciechowski, made the tournament one time. It's the one year they didn't lose to DePaul. So yeah. don't There's lose to DePaul. <laughs> don't lose to DePaul. So um, Xavier away. Um... You know, we've played Xavier already. Yeah. Um, they were not a challenge. Um, they will be more of a challenge um, hosting um, Marquette. Um, they have played six games in the Big East, three at home. They're two and one in those games. Uh, they beat Butler and Georgetown, uh, lost at Seton Hall, and then won away at DePaul. Um, what did we think of the last game? I guess uh, Quentin Gooden was not good. Yeah, um, Quentin Gooden Marquette. was just completely off. Um, Paul I mean, Scruggs was probably their most effective player in that game. Yeah, uh, Najee Marshall was. I mean, he Najee had Marshall po- was good as well. He had the points, but he wasn't really amazing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Najee Marshall was guarding Marcus Howard in the second half. Uh, it was is, either him is what I remember at one point probably, but I mean. Mar- Marcus um, dropped 26 that game, so yeah. there's that. But, I mean, that was a game where Sakar Annam went 8 of 10 from 2, 1 of 4 from 3, and was just, in general, was an effective scorer yeah. and an, an offensive threat. And so I think that as long as... I mean, Xavier has the guys to play one-on-one defense with a, a, an elite scorer. Like, they have Najee Marshall and Paul Scruggs and Quentin Gooden to throw at people... Um, you know they they have the players to do it, so you have to play that. That's going to be a, a game where uh, um, the Marquette game plan went beats the Xavier game plan. Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, yeah, Marcus is going to score and Joey's going to score and Sam's going to score and you know maybe somebody else is going to score, but the Marquette game plan has to be better than Xavier's game plan yeah. to win that away. So in that game, uh, Xavier, I, I I guess what I would say is their biggest. Um, they w- made one three the entire yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, they shot the ball horribly. They scored uh, 0.7 points per possession, 0.71 points per possession, yeah. which is Not abysmal. Good. Yeah. Um, so their offense was terrible. So it, I guess the way into this game for them is that they need to shoot the ball well or score the ball efficiently. Um, they as a team were just... They, yeah. Nothing could drop. I mean... They were combined from the floor, seventeen for fifty-four. I I'm looking at this now. I'm just reminded that this was the game that Sam Hauser couldn't throw anything in at all. Yeah. Um. Sam Hauser had two points and Markel won by eighteen. Yeah. So that just shows you how bad that game was for Xavier. Um. Because that should not happen. And I remember leaving that game like being surprised that we only won it by eighteen because we were just crushing them. Yeah. Um. So. Moral of the story there is Xavier needs a complete 180 um, in performance. In performance, uh-huh. exactly, because I mean they they don't have a chance if they aren't if they are playing offense anywhere near the low level that they played it in yeah. the last game against Marquette. Um, and I, I mean Marquette could have been better offensively that game too. Sure, uh, you know we we won by 18, but. Um, that was on a 6 of 15 from 3 game for Marcus. It was a great yeah. defensive game for Marquette, but it was absolutely not a good overall performance for Marquette, yeah. and they crushed them still. Yeah. So, so if Marquette turns in a, a, a this year good Marquette performance, mm-hmm. I don't see how we lose except for home cooking. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Xavier will be better in their own building, 
they, there's no, there's probably no way they shoot that miserably again. But if Marquette doesn't have Sam Hauser go one of eight from the floor, including the O of six from three, if Marcus doesn't go six of fifteen from three, um, you know the team as a whole went five of twenty nine from three. Marquette only shot ten free throws. I mean, there's a bunch of things that could have gone way better for Marquette. So if Marquette even goes back to a consistent Marquette performance yeah. this year. I don't see how Xavier is good enough to compete with that. It's this week to sort of tie it all together. It's objectively one of Marquette's easiest home games and one of Marquette's easiest road games. Um, Plus, there's a four-game stretch after that that looks pretty intimidating. Yes, and so this should go to plan. Um, This isn't a week like Creighton-Seton Hall, where we were looking at that as um, Creighton is a tough place to win, Seton Hall is always giving Marquette a challenge. This isn't even Georgetown-Providence, where Georgetown is something that they've struggled with a little bit, plus then the adversity immediately hit them. Um, and Providence was a team um, that was is extremely well-coached and was um, motivated to prove that their record um, was not representative of uh, their actual talent level. Um, this, on paper, is the easiest week of the season for Marquette. Um, it's... Three, three, two of the three worst teams in the conference, um, and uh, one of them is at home. So it 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 really should be two and zero again. Yeah. Um, whether it will be or not, I mean, who knows? But I, 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 man. If this isn't a two and zero week, it's going to be disappointing. Yeah. I like it would have been a lot different had you told me we would go like so. We both we've both been predicting two and zero for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, well, at least the Creighton Seton Hall week and then the Georgetown Providence week. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we left open the fact that something weird might happen. Providence has always been a boogeyman to us for some reason. We've mm-hmm. always had really weird, stupid games with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we, we've won the games where we were like, ah, this might be more of a coin flip than we're willing to admit. These should be two games, in my opinion, that are n- not coin flips. You know, the, no. the, these are... These are the, the odds should be a lot more in your favor for these two. Plus, the next four are Butler away because that's always fun. St. John's at home, Villanova at home on National Marquette Day, DePaul away, and then even to top it off, Butler at home, Providence at home, Villanova away. And so the next seven games are the crux of the season. You can't drop either of these two right now. Right. No. Exactly. So, uh, you know. Uh, don't lose to DePaul. Don't lose to DePaul. Please, God. Um, quick little uh, whip around of uh, the conference uh, and sort of uh, basketball at large. Um, conference, what a mess. Yeah, uh, the Big um, East is... The Big East know, is a mess. Continues to murder each other. Yeah. Um, Creighton and Georgetown allegedly haven't tipped, even though they were supposed to about 15 minutes ago as we... That's good. Uh, as we uh, record this. Um, but that won't, that game won't really material tra- materially change the fact that the Big East is a mess. Yeah. Um, it's encouraging that Marquette is, um, is with Villanova sort of standing above the fray right now. Um, it's not encouraging that every other team seems like a bubble team or worse. Um, uh, St. Vill- John's Villanova. Is a... I would say Villanova. No, no, no. I was gonna say Marquette oh. and Villanova. Yeah. So like every other team besides that looks like a bubble team or worse. St. John's, you could talk me into them not being in that. There's a, there's a, there's there's weird projections that are putting St. John's somewhere in like the six or seven seed range, and yeah. I'm just like, I mean, St. John's I had has to Matrix pop up a second ago. Say St. John's has to pop off in the Big East to do that because they're their non-conference is garbage. Yeah. Um. I mean, Xavier's. Three and three in the conference after they have been not good. DePaul's three and three in the conference, which just shouldn't happen. So there are seven and eights on yeah. the matrix for St. John's. Okay. Um, sixes and sevens. Didn't you say sixes and sevens? Yeah. yeah uh, they're in the nines on the matrix. That's so overall, that's that's fine. Which is which is accurate, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then uh, beyond that, uh, what is it? Probably Sh- Butler. Seton Hall is Seton in the Hall. nine range as well Seton Hall starting three and four after their good non-conference is kind of nuts especially because you got swept by DePaul 
And then it's Butler is uh, among the first four out, and then Creighton is fifth out. So Butler's third out, Creighton's yeah. fifth out. So to me, um, unless uh, uh, Seton Hall and St. John's start riding the ship and Seton Hall just got swept by DePaul, um, all, both of those teams lost to DePaul, yeah. broke the rule. Um, it's going to look like Marquette versus Villanova for the conference, and then the rest of the um, yeah. you know massive humanity sort of tackling each other for... Three, four, five. Yeah, but like three bids at most, I, probably. No, uh, so he, hear me out on this one. Um, I think Butler's fine. I think Butler will play well enough in the Big East to be off the bubble. I'm not saying Butler's going to be better than a 9 or a 10 seed, but I think Butler will play fine enough in the Big East. And I know they're what? They're 3 and 4 right now? Well, Or no, they're they're 3 and 3. But So Butler's... no. Uh, they're three and three. Yeah, they're three and three. I was like, why can I not read my my graphic here? Um, so they lost at Georgetown, at, or they lost to Georgetown at home, which was weird. But that was also yes. right after they had just been shellacked by Florida. They beat Creighton at home, righted the shift a little bit. Lost away by one at Seton Hall. Lost away by one at Xavier. Came back, beat DePaul at at DePaul, and beat St. John's at home. I think if Butler goes. Nine and nine, maybe ten. Probably safer to say ten and eight. But I think if Butler goes nine and nine in conference, it'll move them off the bubble. I think the Big East asking for more than five bids is aggressive. My question really is, how many teams besides Villanova and Marquette are going to go ten and eight? Like St. John's. I think there are only two other teams that can. And I think it's Butler. So obviously you have Kamar Baldwin. But Jordan Tucker's starting to show up now as like another offensive threat. The Duke transfer for Butler. Um, then you have. Uh, I'm, I'm worried about the ankle game. I don't care yeah, if they start. You, we're so always going to be worried about, the, worried ankle about the ankle game. But uh, I mean, Sean McDermott's a very serviceable player. Aaron Thompson's a decent player. Paul Jorgensen's a decent player. Nate Fowler's a decent player. Henry Badley is okay, I guess. But like, they they have a lineup that should be better than they've played. Yeah. And so I, I get the feeling that they're going to right the ship in the Big East. Um, I think the the low number is three. I think they're probably, as long as St. John's doesn't absolutely crap the bed, I think St. John's will be fine. Um, I think Butler will be fine. Um, I'm leaning five more than six at most right oh, now. Oh, there's no, there's no way it's six. Six is too many. There's no like. way it's... Because if you take six, you're taking one of... DePaul, Xavier, Providence, Georgetown, and the, the 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 less good of Seton Hall, the least good of Seton Hall, Butler, and Creighton. Yeah, you know, like well, Creighton, Creighton again to me is to that is last year's Marquette team. Yeah. So I don't think that's a tournament team, especially as that defensive number just tanks probably even farther than Marquette's. Yeah, it's, because it's in the one nineties now. It's they, so they still, bad. They still have to play Villanova again. They're on a four-game losing streak. They got beat by St. John's at St. John's. They lost to Butler away. I mean, they've played three games away and one away, but they haven't won at home yet in the Big East. If they, lose, they had Marquette and Villanova. If they lose to Georgetown, like what? Like, yeah. Th- yeah, that number. I, that's going to be an interesting that game. That's going to be an interesting game to turn on when we, I get back to my apartment. But, yeah. um... I mean, I think the, the max number of bids the Big East is going to get this year is five. I think the five... Yeah, I, that's fine. I, I would be I'm much better... I think my better money would be on four. Um, because I just... I don't see... Like, the Big East is going to be so messy in the middle that, like... My only thing is, like, who are we giving these bids to? Yeah. Because there's a lot of mediocre basketball out there this Well, year. the Pac-12 is going to be a one-bid league. I hope it's a maybe, one-bid league. Maybe. Maybe. If, if they take more than once. The Matrix on the Pac-12 has... Um, they have three Pac-12 teams in right now, and they're the fourth to last. Or they're, they're all 11 seeds. So it's the auto bid for Washington, and then second and third to last team in uh, with Arizona and Arizona State. Wow, it's yeah. so bad. I mean, it's so bad. This might be the year too that, and like the, no one else is even on the radar. Like so Oregon and Oregon State are like 
They're bad. They're gonzo. Uh, USC's bad. UCLA shouldn't be anywhere near the yeah, bubble right now. It's such a joke. It's such an embarrassing yeah. basketball conference. Um, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, there are good mid-majors out there, but there aren't a bunch of, like, world beaters, you know? Like, I would still take Arizona State over, like, a Toledo that doesn't win the uh, the MAC. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so exactly, yeah. Like, give me like San Francisco that doesn't win the WCC or something. Yeah, like, give, yeah, give garbage. me something. Buffalo's in no matter what. That's, I'm always that's my only hot take. Is I'm always no team what. like exotic bubble teams. Like, I'm always like, give me like freaking Wofford as an auto bid. Wofford, dude, Furman. Wofford, dude, Wofford is 40 in Ken Palm. Like, good don't, Lord. don't, don't sleep on Fletcher McGee in the place. Also, Lipscomb's good this year. Obviously, you have John yeah. Morant and uh, Murray State is good this year. Oh, if John Morant doesn't get in the tournament, I'm going to be we, pissed. We I'm going to be pissed. John Morant is amazing. I just saw he, I think he had another dunk tonight. Oh, yeah. Or, no, yesterday. That's just absurd. Oh, I think, did I already see this one? Probably. What is this? Is this a sports center highlight? Oh, it's a warm-up dunk. Yeah, but still. It's pretty impressive still. He, like, flies from, so like, while, the free throw. So while line. I'm perusing the, the Matrix a little bit, there are still, still two brackets with Georgetown in it. Somebody go slap them, please. What is... Uh, how does that exist? I, it's dead. What? Yeah. No! That's dumb. That's, like... That, like, messes the model up. Why would you yeah. even put Georgetown in a bracket? That's, that's absurd. Um... Can I briefly say that if you think you're a blue blood and you were ranked two weeks ago, you shouldn't storm the court, regardless of who you beat, unless it's like a historic number one. Uh. Can I can I just can I just put that out there? Like, and I and I thought about it a little bit. I crafted this take a little bit because I was like, okay, Marquette stormed the court two years ago when they beat Villanova. But here's my thing on that: Villanova's the defending champion when Marquette did that. Villanova. Is was the number one team in the was country. the number one team in the country and like a monolithic juggernaut at that point. Yeah. Um. And Marquette had come out of the freaking dark ages where they hadn't been in the tournament in three full years and were like, like not even near relevant until that like the that start game. of that Big East play basically. And they would have missed the tournament essentially if they hadn't won that game exactly. probably. Yeah. So like. That is just such like a, a justifiable because I was like, okay, if I'm gonna really run with this take that Wisconsin storming the court was ridiculous, um, I don't think it's ridiculous. There's a number two we team like, in the country like make, and they were yeah. undefeated. I just think like, don't you can't have it both ways. You can't be like recency bias. Like, like whenever somebody says like, oh, how many times did you make the tournament between like 1945 and 1992 or whatever the the exact year is hilarious a hilarious amount of years it's it's a great it's a great troll but then the comeback is always like oh yeah like okay we made two final fours five years ago and it's like all right sick then what do you do in rushing the court uh when you're beating uh like a conference team that is uh has a similar recent track record yeah it's like all right you can don't don't like you can have your fun i'm pro fun in college basketball i'm usually pro court storm unless it's like egregious um but it's just like don't throw recent success in my face if you were ranked two weeks ago and are rushing the court when you beat Michigan. I don't know. Yeah. That's just my my two cents. I wanted Pat, to throw Pat, it out Pat there. Is mad. I'm a bit triggered because I was really liking Michigan's uh, team, and I was like, ah, oh, no, Badgers are on a losing streak. There's no way. And then Ethan Happ did his Ethan Happ thing, and they won, and they like made it ugly, and they won a game in the low 60s, mid 50s. And it's just gross. Um, and they did it. That's what, that's what they do. That's what Wisconsin does. They yeah. they win at home in big situations. So congratulations to them. Tip of the cap. Extend Greg Gard. Make Greg Gard be the coach forever. Yeah. He's um, you're so gonna make good Marquette for the program. He's always the coach. Yeah. He's really good for your program. You should definitely keep Greg Gard's coach. We really we really endorse that. That'd be great. Um, uh, I have no more final takes. I think. I don't really think so either. Um, but I guess what I keep sort of gravitating towards is sort of staring down the barrel of that National Marquette Day game. Um, because right now you're looking at the Big East Conference where it's 5-0, and 5-1, and and no one else is any better than 3-3. Three and three. Yeah. Um, Now, I don't know if that'll continue. Um, before Villanova, Marquette has 
to play at Butler and host St. John's, who obviously Match are coming off is, yeah. smoking them. Um, so those are two tricky games. But, I mean, if the Villanova game is anywhere near, like, 8-1 and one and 8-2 and two or something, like... That game is gonna be bananas. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be National Market Day, so it's gonna be nuts. It's gonna, yeah. I mean, yeah. You're right. I mean, it's gonna be a bunch of drunk people watching a crazy basketball game, regardless. Um, but I just think it. It's 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 still like 19 days out as we're recording this. Um, but I think it's really trending towards. Um, it's really trending towards like. That's gonna be just that's a massive it. game. That's and it, baby. It's not that for the conference by any means, especially since they have to play like three weeks after. Um, but that it's that game is growing in importance, and as the schedule is progressing, and as um, January is turning into February, I continue to more and more think about that game and just be like, that game. That's the game. That's the yeah. game when we know really because. You know there'll be there'll be bumps along the road, and I still think Marquette eventually is gonna lose one of these games where they yeah. don't play particularly well. We'll we'll, we'll flounder on the road somewhere. And, it's gonna happen. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, Marquette is not gonna win these games where they're not playing particularly well forever. Yeah. Um, and the nature of playing in a pretty difficult conference is there will be uh, bumps in the road, but yeah. and Nova I, will have them too. But oh, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, they'll probably weather them. I mean, they're it's Nova. they're really good at it's weathering Nova. them, though. Um, but anyway, I more and more I'm thinking about that game, and I'm really looking forward to the way that that's going to play out. But until then, we just want to remind you one more time: don't lose, lose to, to DePaul. <laughs> For the love of God, just don't. Whatever you do, have a good week, and don't lose to DePaul.